0: You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast brought to you by the Denver Chop House, located at 19th and Wine Coop. Go to the Denver Chop House, belly up to their bar, have one of their fine craft beers, grab a steak, a sandwich, breakfast, lunch, or dinner at the Denver Chop House. They love us. We love you. Enjoy this episode of the Colorado Sports Guys. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there trapped in the interwebs? We are live from Jake's Food and Spirits on 3800 Walnut Street. With me, as always, the king of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up,
1: everyone? Uh, coming to you today from Jake's Food and Spirits. That's why you hear the uh, nice ambient noise in the background of uh, people talking.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't have to pump in fake crowd noise. We for did this one.
1: N- not. We normally do we always have to usually pump in fake laughter when Ross makes a joke. So. Yeah.
0: And on assignment, of course, is Ross Hipster's Glasses. Martin. Yeah, he's not here, today. It's the uh, middle of the day. Ross is probably slaving away behind a desk, pushing papers around, as he is known to do. Well, he, I think he just kind of
1: sorts things on his desk, and usually that's what he does. Something. Yeah,
0: big-time sorter, that guy. <laughs> and we're going to be sorting out some hot sports take here on the podcast. we got a lot of Nugget stuff to get into with the trade deadline looming on Thursday. Let's not lie to
1: the people. It's all Nugget stuff today.
0: Ooh. All Nuggets, all day, can't wait. Yeah, and the Nuggets, losers of five straight, three and seven <laughs> in their last ten, twenty four and twenty eight. We could have we could have picked a better team. Sitting comfortably <laughs> in eleventh out west, they're uh, you know six and a half games out of that final playoff spot behind the Dallas Mavericks now. So. We'll get into some of that. We'll touch on some trade rumors, of course. As we said, trade deadline coming up Thursday. Um, we're probably going to talk a lot about the Sochi Olympics because I've been watching a ton of that.
1: Have you? <laughs> no. Been watching the ice dancing? <laughs>
0: a guy asked me uh, yesterday, he's like, hey, do you know the, the women's hockey team, how they how they did? And I was like, didn't know they were playing. Sorry, can't help you. Someone
1: asked me that, I would say, I didn't know there was a women's hockey team. But yeah. uh, apparently that makes me a, a not a good American. So Yeah.
0: And I, we don't even have any headlines this week. No headlines. No just straight, straight, <laughs> nuggets talk. straight nuggets. Straight nuggets. Because you know why? Because me and Jeff watch every game. We don't, we don't need other perspectives. We have our own. We're at the games. We're at the practices. If you want Nuggets coverage, who else better to talk to than us? A couple mm-hmm. of stiffs.
1: Well, yeah. And it's, it's got the big rundown today because it's the trade deadline coming up. Well, as of this recording, it is the, very, it's the following day. It's on Thursday the 20th and um, obviously that's almost like Christmas in the NBA, so at least for me it is. Now, last year was a terrible deadline. I'm hoping that this year will be a much better deadline.
0: Yeah, we're already seeing one deal that's uh, finalizing is the basketball godfather himself, Adrian Wojnowski, tweeted out the Brooklyn Nets, Sacramento Kings, finalizing the deal, sending Marcus Thornton to the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn sending Jason Terry and Reggie, the ball grabber, Evans back to Sacramento. And 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 again I guess this is kind of a curious move you have, you know, the the Kings once again clearing out some some salary cap space with Marcus Thornton who is making I believe 7 or 8 million bucks a year. So, kind of crazy. What do you think about that one, Jeff?
1: Um I this is a less than inspiring trade. I mean, I, I Marcus Thornton, known chucker. Going to uh, going to the Nets for as you said, the ball grabber. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty Evans and Jason Terry, who is basically a corpse at this point.
0: Yeah, and Thornton's making eight million this year, and he's making eight point five million next year. There were some people that wanted the Nuggets to get in on a deal for him centered around Andre Miller, and you know, I was left asking the question why. I mean Thornton's kind of a younger version of Randy Foy, um, probably a less of a defensive player, less of a passer. Although Foy's not, you know, a world class passer by any means, but you know, why add a guy like Marcus Thornton if you're gonna have Foy? Uh, why would you wanna impede on Yvonne Fournier's minutes who mm-hmm. you know played fantastic last night for Denver. I mean he he finally got back on the court for extended minutes and looked pretty good.
1: It was nice to see him, you know, get in for consistent minutes for a change. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was it was there would be no point in the Nuggets adding Marcus Thornton to this roster. Plus he makes eight million dollars. Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah. And again, on the other side, though, I don't really see what it does for Brooklyn. I mean, I guess they get a better score because Jason Terry has been washed up for about three years.
1: Yeah, Jason Terry has been a shell of his former self for a long time. Yeah. I mean, his last good year was, I think, with the the Mavericks.
0: Yeah, (laughs) the old Mavs, the old Mavs. Uh, so anyway, let's t- let's talk about a little bit about the game. We're both at the game last night. We see the Nuggets, you know, come out um, with I-, I would almost call it an inspired effort. They played pretty well. They got down early, yeah. of course, with uh, you know JJ Hicks and Kenneth Freed lineup out there giving up some easy inside buckets, but you know they're able to kind of come back and and get back involved in that game behind. You know, some of that, some of the play from Fournier, the play from Mozgov when he was in there for his, you know, 19 minutes. Even Anthony Randolph doing some things out there a little bit. So, actually, not really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as I, he was as al- out there. As
0: I always say, if,
1: if uh, Anthony Randolph is leading your team in either scoring or shooting, your team will lose. So, yeah. I'm glad that ni- neither of those things happened last night. Yeah. Craziness. So, yeah, that was an interesting game. I mean, they just, they didn't. You know, both you and I were there last night, and they—they they, it was a effort. At, you know, the best way you could say describe uh, the game against the Phoenix Suns was it was effort. They they had effort, but that was pretty much the only thing you could say about that game, other than the good
0: play of Evan Fournier. That's that pretty much it. Yeah. Then you, I look at you know, I look at Hickson. He plays 33 minutes. He's four of 12 shooting. You know, he finishes a, a team high minus thirty during his time on the floor, meaning oh, oh, the boy. Suns Suns <laughs> outscored Denver by thirty points in that time frame. You know, and then you have Mozgov, who is disrupting the Suns getting inside. You know, he is four of six from the field. He's a plus twenty four in nineteen minutes. Wow! And you play him nineteen minutes. Like, why is this guy not playing thirty minutes a night?
1: I. It was one of those. It's one of those things where uh, both you and I were like. In the fourth quarter, predicting when Shaw would take him out of the out of the game and not reinsert him in. Yeah. And sure enough, five minutes in, uh, well, no, it was more than that, not eight minutes left in the uh, fourth quarter. He subs in uh, Farid for Mozgov and never returned to the courts. But he he had no problem with playing Evan Fournier from midway through the third quarter, cleared all the way to the end of overtime.
0: <laughs> yeah. He yeah, had no, no problem at all there, you know, so... Uh, and, and then you saw, you know, And over they, they cough up the lead. You know, like I said, I, I stepped away for a second at the end of that game. Uh, Nuggets are up, I believe it was 99-94. And it's like, oh, hey, they're up five with 50 seconds left. Looks like they'll pull this thing off, you know. And I come back, come back out and see that it's, you know, a two-point lead and Phoenix has the ball going to tie things up. And I'm like, how in the world, you know, is this game not over? You don't close it, and then the, the team that you had on the floor in the final minute that coughed up a five-point lead, you bring those five guys back out. So, I mean, is, was Brian Shaw trying to lose that game last night? Is he on board with some of the fans that are saying, <laughs> you know, we need to lose as many games as possible? I don't want to call it tank because they're, they're playing young guys, you know, but, yeah, I guess when you put Hickson back in there, it's oh, kind yes. of a tank, right?
1: <laughs> well, at this point, I think you and I are of the same mind. that uh, J.J. Hickson is, how would you describe him? Um, not, not a winning basketball player. Yeah, he, I, I'm not going to call him a loser,
0: but I'm going to say that he is not conducive to winning. And you can even say, you know, I mean, so that's a, that's a rough loss last night. Yeah. You know, you, you, you expect to go in a locker room. Last year's 57-win team went to that locker room three times at home when they lost. Yep. And the team, there wasn't one single guy that was happy after losses. And you go in the locker room last night, you know, I talked a little bit with Wilson Chandler. He's, you know, pretty down about things. I talked with Hamilton. He's a little bit down, and, you know, you, you kind of look over and you see J.J. Hickson cracking jokes, smiling, laughing. It's like, you guys just coughed up a big game, bud. Like, how is this – I guess it just – you know, you don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. But, man, if your mood is still a, a pretty jovial one after the game, i got some problems there. I, I don't I, – I hate, you know – when people would get, you know, like, well, this
1: person should be, like, you know, rending their clothing. And, tearing his locker up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, I don't believe that's the case. But there is a mood that you expect. And at least some semblance of it. And I've got to tell you, you know, the Nuggets have lost 28 times this year. And I have seen J.J. Hickson have the same consistent mood in every game. You know, listen. I and don't. You can m- say it
0: from the other side. I mean, Wilson mm-hmm. Chandler has the same mood. Oh yes, <laughs> 100% that's true. Time he time is right? Mr. So. He
1: is Mr. Consistent <laughs> with his mood. Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, that you can't really judge on on that sort of thing. But I will say that JJ puts up some of the most empty stats I have ever seen. And I don't. I don't know how he has existed in this league for so long,
0: with putting up such inconsequential double doubles. And it seems, I mean, I, I was talking last night, you know, and I'll say in here, I mean, J.J. Hickson was, you know, a few years ago, one of my favorite young players in the NBA. When he was with Cleveland, I was like, man, this guy's exciting. I remember when, I think the Nuggets, when they had Mello, um, one of the games they went into Cleveland, LeBron didn't play a typical LeBron game. It was J.J. Hickson who was killing the Nuggets, yeah. killing them. And I was, you know, and I kind of followed him a little bit, North Carolina State, and I just kind of liked some of what I saw from him and thought he could grow into a really good player, but you'd see how he's, he's bounced around the league, how, you know, the Sacramento Kings cut him. You know I mean? They cut yeah. the guy yeah. and he's, he's 25 years old. And then he goes to, he goes to Portland and, you know, people can point at Portland and say, well, look how much better they are now without him. Well, they added some other pieces. So it's not that they got rid of JJ, but at the same time, Robin Lopez provides exactly what they need. And yeah. part of the problem in Denver too is, you know, you're playing him 33 minutes at center And he's not a center, so it's it's a little little unfair to to overly criticize him. But at the same time, would we see any improvement if he was a power forward and Mozgov was there? I mean, we've seen that this season, and it hasn't been
1: great either. Well, last night um, through three quarters, the the combination of of uh, Mozgov and Arthur was, I believe, a plus thirty five.
0: Yeah, and they both finished pluses. I mean, Timil was plus twenty four, and Arthur plus fifteen to end the game. So,
1: and the combination of Fareed and Nixon
0: was something like
1: what minus thirty five.
0: Yeah, and they. I mean, the the Arthur Moss finished plus thirty nine, and the the Fareed uh, JJ finished minus forty three. So, I mean, the thing that bothers me about that, I mean, is that Brian Shaw seems to. You know, if Ken Freed's not playing well, he doesn't come back into games in the second halves. You know, if, if Jordan Hamilton's not playing well, he records eight did not play coaches' decisions in the month of January. Yeah. You know, if Von Fournier is not playing well, he gets the hook. You know, I have saw Randy Foy early in the season when he wasn't shooting well; they benched him, they replaced him as a starter for a couple games till he got his shot back. Mm-hmm. JJ Hickson, he's getting his minutes no matter what. He's not Shaw's not messing with JJ Hickson. He's the most consistent minute guy on the nuggets besides ty Lawson, and and it's frustrating for the people who i mean i'm not talking about
1: the i'm going to say this pretty boldly there's people in the media who have not watched the nuggets all season and they will look at this team and they look at the stats of jj hickson and think oh well he must be doing all right look at his stats without watching these games and seeing how much he gives up on defense, which is the combination of him and and Farid on defense is just ludicrously bad. Those two on defense, and just specifically Hickson, they're not providing anything positive to the roster, and then they wonder why we criticize the rotation when they're like that, it's like you look at it. This is a twenty-eight loss team. They've won twenty-four games, okay, and and they, yes, they have injuries, but come on, they had a lot of in, they had a lot of losses before
0: Nate Robinson and Ty Lawson went down, okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think to, I think it's fair, you know, to look at you know Brian Shaw and what he's doing with rotation and have some questions about it. I mean, I'm certainly not saying Brian Shaw should be replaced or he's doing no, a terrible job, that. but yeah. I mean he's definitely going through a rocky season himself, you know, same with the team. But <clears throat> you know to say that you have to be pretty even about it. Yes, some of the some of the problem is the roster and yes, some of the problem is Brian Shaw and you know, we we all kind of knew this when, you know, me and you knew this when, you know, the season happened. You replace Masai Ujiri, you get a new GM. He's going to have a completely new vision for what he wants to do. You know, he has it mapped out in his head from his, you know, Tim Conley's 19 years in the NBA of what he thinks and how he thinks an NBA team can win. So it's going to take some time for him to implement, you know, his vision with this team. Is this the team that he envisioned right now? No, certainly not. And same same thing goes with Brian Shaw. You know, he's he's coming in here. He's not George Carl. He wants to play a new way. Should he, you know, bend to what these players want to do and, you know, play that same loose and run-and-gun system as last year? No, because that's, that's not what he was hired to do here. He was hired to bring his system in, and it's going to take some time to bring that in. And right now it seems like he's trying to run a hybrid, but, you know, it, it's going to take time, and you, know, you can't blame anybody right now, but you also have to realize that we need some patience. Well, I, you know, I made the mistake of turning on to... And by the way, the,
1: the, the, we were big supporters of the uh, Denver Sports Nation on, on, on Mile High Sports. Um, I, I, they're good, good guys who go to the Nuggets games. I made the mistake of tuning in this afternoon to a show where a host was saying that the Masai Ujiri, the Carmelo Anthony trade... Uh, Masai Ujiri brought in a bunch of crap players.
0: Hot fresh take. Hot hot (laughs) fresh
1: crap take is basically what that was, and I'm like, and but it but it makes me wonder if, all right, we're going to talk about Brian Shaw and, and the way he does his rotations, which is frustrating. They seem arbitrary to me, but criticism of Brian Shaw is not is not saying we supported, not. You know, we're, we're still supporting George Carl. It means that Brian Shaw deserves criticism for for things. And I think to blame solely the players on this is very, very wrong. Okay? They're put at a dis-
0: disadvantage more than Brian Shaw here. Because well, a lot of them are playing out of position now. And when you see, I mean, the the mellow trade, the guys on this roster right now are Wilson Chandler and Timothy Mozgov and... guys are playing pretty good basketball. (laughs) Yep. And Ray Felton
1: is playing, sucking his way in New York, you know. So, and um, good, you know, he's not our problem anymore, Uh, you know. uh, But there's also uh, sucking his way. That's a terrible description. I I should have said eating his way through New York. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Gallo is obviously injured. And, you know, it's it's the way it, it is what it is. But I got to say that, you know, we're looking at this roster and Brian Shaw was brought in to develop players and how can these players
0: get what they need if they never know when they're coming in, you know? Yeah, that was something else that we kind of, that we noticed last night, you know? You you point out to me during the game, you're like, who hasn't played tonight? I'm like... Quincy, yeah, Quincy Miller. Quincy Miller records did-not-play-coach's decision. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with Quincy not playing. He's a, a second-year guy that needs a lot of seasoning, great kid, works hard. But if the coach doesn't want to play him, that's fine. But why were you putting him in the rotation? Why were you starting him, you know, when, when Chandler was injured? And then why did you start him when Chandler was back at shooting guard when he's clearly either a small forward or, you know, a limited power forward? You know, limited time, power forward, limited minutes, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, Qu- suddenly it looks like Quincy might be of the rotation, at least he was last night. And now Jordan Hamilton, who averaged six minutes a game in January, is back up to about 20 minutes a night in February.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's very bizarre. It, it makes no sense. And I, I, wish, I wish there was some rhyme or reason to it because I, I could explain it better. Because as it stands right now, I, I have no explanation.
0: Yeah, and we talked to Shaw last night, and you know he he mentioned that he's just kind of searching for answers himself, and searching for guys that are going to be able to you know come out and perform. But he didn't really seem to have any kind of indicator for you know. He, he mentioned to me that you know Quincy Miller and Jordan Hamilton's biggest issues are on the defensive side of the ball, and he's just going to kind of play the guy that I guess once one guy starts playing bad, he's going to go back to the other guy. And once the other guy starts playing bad, he's going to go back to the other guy. So I don't know how that's, you know, great development, but that seems to be what Brian Shaw said he's going to be doing. And I'll be writing about that in a little bit more detail, but that's, you know, that was kind of concerning last night. Most definitely.
1: I I just don't, I just don't understand a lot of that. And I, I guess we're not meant to, but maybe this is going to be reflected in the trade deadline and what the Nuggets do going forward. But you know last night we saw more effort but it was i hate to describe it as empty effort but it kind of was it was it was them playing harder but does that mean they could have been playing harder all year does that mean that they only decided to play hard against phoenix cuz they lost to him three times cuz they lost to, i mean <laughs> what what is what, what did it mean it mean it, all it, i mean it, it's hard to take it as an isolated thing because, let's face it, the Nuggets have, in, in the four games before the the um, the uh, All Star break, they were blown
0: out by an average of what thirty points? Just about, yeah. Um, one seventeen to ninety, one nineteen yeah. to eighty, one twenty six, one hundred nine, one seventeen to ninety.
1: <laughs> Which, by the way, for those who are, I mean, I, I keep pointing this out. Then before the Nuggets. Um, when Ty went down, the Nuggets were twenty-four and twenty-four. Okay, and he. The, when the Nuggets started getting blown out, was when he was still playing. All right, so this effort thing and what was happening started before Ty, and then they almost lost to the Milwaukee Bucks at home. They they blew an eighteen-point lead to the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, effort was a problem. So maybe there's little victories happening when you know when. Uh, happening when um, they play hard against the Suns. But what the problem is is that I, what to re- result are we talking about here? If you're not, quote, developing players, where what, what is the goal? Are you just trying to get players to play hard for you? Is this a completely a throwaway year with, um, with a, a roster you hate?
0: <laughs> yeah because that's you know and i i pen this a little bit and this is kind of the question now that's starting to evolve we're in february and you know we said back in october and in early november you know if we're seeing these same problems that we're having right now later in the season you know in january and february then there's some issues and those issues haven't been resolved yet. Yes, some of it has to do with injury. Some of it has to do with you know, the players themselves. Some of it has to do with Brian Shaw. But the question now is going to be what's going to happen here once this trade deadline passes? The end of the season is going to be right around the corner. Yeah. What's next year going to look like? Well, what, you know, Yvonne Fournier looks like You know, he's developing pretty nicely into a solid guy when he gets minutes. His minutes do fluctuate a little bit. You know, from game to game, he plays against the Clippers nine minutes. He gets 33 minutes last night. You know, is he going to be a guy that's going to be ready next year? Is he getting consistent time? Yeah. You know, are the players on this roster, is Kenneth Freed going to be here next year? How happy is he with Coach Shaw? Uh, I saw Eric Goodman pen a piece today that was saying that, you know, he's kind of hearing whispers that Kenneth Freed is uncoachable, which is not what you want to hear out of a 24-year-old player. You know, so, I mean, are these relationships that maybe? You know, and the whispers that Brian Shaw may be losing the team. If he's losing this team now, what's going to happen next season if the Nuggets don't make a lot of moves before the 2014 well,
1: 15 season? You make it an excellent point there. And, you know, you asked some great questions, which will be featured in your um, piece on Jordan Hamilton later about Brian Shaw. And, you know, he didn't seem to have an answer either. But one thing that's clear to me in his tone. And from when I spoke to them at practice um, the day before the Suns game and after the Suns game, it's very clear to me at least that he doesn't necessarily like this roster. (laughs) And how is that reflecting in his own coaching? And, And which is... Sometimes you don't get the roster you want. You get the roster you have, and you need to make do. And what's disturbing to me is I'm not entirely sure
0: Brian Shaw is willing to make do. And you can see, I mean, George Carl did that last season, right? Like He obviously did not like having traditional big men and traditional big men roles. What he did was had... Traditionally he had his big men stand out of bounds, below the defense. Yeah. He had him set screens, rebound and get out of the way because he didn't think he could get the kind of production he needed from his big guys. So, you know, George kind of was coaching those guys in a way where he could maximize the talent, right? Yeah. And and Brian Shaw seems to be to me a little bit against doing that. We see it at times where, you know, we heard Kenneth Freed, we heard Ty Lawson say, Hey, you know, coach is finally not calling as many plays, he's letting us run a little bit and it's like, well, the whole goal of Shaw coming here was to run plays, to be structured, to yeah. have a half-court game. So, you know, I, I, I kind of get the fact, and I, I don't mind the fact that Brian Shaw is being a little bit hard-nosed with, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to implement his system because that's why Josh Kroenke and Tim Conley decided to give him the job, right? Yeah. I mean, they wanted to go about this thing in a different way. They wanted to try to win in Denver uh, with a different style than what George Carl had. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's at some point, yeah, I mean, it's – Going to turn to you know Conley's going to have to make some moves if you know he talks in the off season with Sean they say this guy doesn't work this guy doesn't work that guy doesn't work I tried it this year you know those guys couldn't couldn't get my system down so we absolutely have to move them you know I mean that's gonna that's gonna happen at some point I would think well they needed and then let's I I where I'm going to have to quibble with the Nuggets is they
1: needed to make these changes before the season or at the very least they needed. To maybe not sign the players they signed, because what's happening right now is that they signed a bunch of veterans, like three of them, and four of them. Excuse me, and they need minutes. Well, when it's clear this roster needs development, or at the very, f- or very least, if this was going to be a transition year, why waste the money? You know. Yeah. And that's that's one thing. You know, I loved I loved love Tim, but I would I would Tim Connolly, but I would I would quibble with him there and say, like, you didn't need to do these. Specifically, J.J. J. Hickson and Randy Foy. And if this year was going to turn up the way it was, you kind of have to save that money. You know, because right now the Nuggets are kind of, like, inflexible.
0: And I would, I would really think that, you know, I mean, if, if Marcus Thornton can get moved to a team that's looking for a shooter, you know, how, how come Randy Foy... He could easily be moved, right? I mean, he's making three million a year, and the guy's a, almost a forty percent three point shooter. Yeah, he's yeah. having a, a fantastic season. So, you know, can you get out from under these deals? Did you sign these kind of deals thinking that you could turn, you know, three guys into one, four guys into two, something like that? You yeah. know, I mean, I understand that thinking. So, you know, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not as critical of the roster moves that were made, but you know, kind of now that you're seeing how it's playing out, it's like. Yeah, okay, I can, I can see where we have some problems here. But at the same time, you know, you look at, you know, the Nuggets roster as a whole, and you think, you know, who can they go forward with on this team? Like, who are the building blocks? And there's really a lot of questions. I mean, Timothy Mozgov looks like a guy that could be part of a of a really good basketball team. Fournier looks like a guy that could be part of a really good team. You know, but other than those two guys that are that are still. I don't know who else you can say that about. Obviously Ty Lawson was a guy that won fifty seven games. Wilson Chandler's a key role player, but you know, none of these guys are, are are going to be, you know, the stars that you're looking for. So I mean to well, get a good draft pick this year, to add somebody that's, you know, gonna maybe have a chance to take that next step is something that the Nuggets really need to consider going after, and that is going to mean losing some games. There are
1: there are rumors that everyone is up for trade, not named Ty Lawson. Uh, you know, I can see it. It's going to be hard to trade JaVale McGee.
0: But, I mean, that's that's uh, that's not really even a new line of thinking. I no. saw that tweet as well, but yeah. hasn't that been the thought since, you know, since the Carmel Anthony trade that every player on the team could be traded? And I think everybody knows that, and every GM in the league is going to listen to offers on all of their players. I mean, yeah. the Celtics traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. You don't think anybody's available? Like, everybody's available for a price.
1: I think. I think this is making a – I mean – i'm i'm looking i'm looking at all the all the tweets about about the 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 trade the the nets trade with uh with the kings and i'm thinking yeah that's a trade but it's not it's not a, a not a great trade, right? And it's like if that's what's available,
0: maybe the Nuggets are wise in not
1: doing anything.
0: No doubt about it. There's you know there's you know? A, a great guy on Twitter, Joe Solomon. Yeah. I, I hashtag him Trader Joe all the time. He wants the Nuggets to to make every move out there as soon as a player becomes available or his name pops up in a rumor. He's like Denver should go after that guy, and I understand that because what you're seeing, you know, you're like, well, m- maybe some fresh blood will work. But you know, like you point out, you know, Evan Turner. What's he led Philadelphia to? Nothing? Yeah, nothing. You know, Thaddeus Young, nice young player, good role player. He might be able to be a good guy, you know, if the Spurs traded for him or, you know, he might be kind of a bit role player on a good team. Not going to be a guy that's going to come to Denver and take you to playoffs. Jeff Green, same thing. You know, any name, Harrison Barnes is a a guy that, you know, tons of talent, second-year guy. You know, if you could pick him up, yeah, I'd be kind of on board with that because he has that potential still you know he mm-hmm. he can maybe mm-hmm. develop into something so there you're kind of looking at something where it looks it, it's looking okay but you know i i don't know if golden state's actually thinking about trading that guy i mean golden state's a 7 seed you know they they need to maybe even make another move to to really get into a playoff they they're, need a, to get they're, better. A, they're a one or two round playoff team yeah. you know they're not in a position to really go for the gusto right now not with and harrison barnes isn't going to land you lebron james nope. you know so That's the other thing, too. The Nuggets, I mean, you don't just make trades to make trades. No, you just can't. Okay.
1: It's not an, I mean, people think it's like, oh, no, I want that guy. Give me that guy. It doesn't work that way, you know. And everyone knows that the Nuggets need a point guard. Because the Nuggets have been operating without a point guard for the better part of two weeks now, <laughs> I keep telling you Randy
0: Foy can play point, but you don't believe me. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I have
1: yet to see evidence of this uh, surgeon.
0: I mean, the Timberwolves figured <laughs> out that Randy yeah. Foy wasn't the ideal point guard in the NBA, so you know
1: the, the Nuggets do need the the a point guard, but if there's none to be had, what are they going to do? I mean, if they're stuck, and and I I made this point to Nate last night when we're having one of our many. Phone conversations, venting about the Nuggets,
0: therapy
1: sessions, <laughs> <Therapy laughs> NBA therapy sessions. Is that my problem with the Nuggets right now? Is that they seem stuck, and you, you kind of like, not stuck in a sense that oh, we're going to make a move that's going to make us win now. I mean, they're kind of stuck for their future, and I, I want the Nuggets to be able to be able to make moves to secure their future, but they kind of in. Because of the way the by the way the NBA trade market right now is terrible, you know, no, and no one's giving up any picks. I mean, let me explain this. They're not giving up
0: picks or pairs. P- yeah, like, yeah, picks.
1: Yeah, picks <laughs> are like picks are like the grease on the wheels. That's what they're used as, and then and then players move. People are hoarding draft picks right now because they they have so overvalued this next draft. It is unbelievable. And people are just paranoid about losing it. And all it's going to take is one bust.
0: And then draft picks will flow like wine again. You yeah, and, and I saw just an interview the other day, Masai Ujiri gave uh, with the Toronto paper where he was talking about the draft and talking about valuing draft picks and how he thinks, you know, the NBA teams do, you know, really maybe overvalue picks. But at the same time, picks are, are very valuable because, you know, it, it, Paul George – number 10 pick in the draft, a guy at Fresno State who, you know, people said was not a very complete offensive player, maybe will never get it, you know, but had some pretty good defensive uh, prowess, you know, moved really well on, on defense. Suddenly you draft that guy at number 10 and he gets a little bit of taste of success in the NBA and he turns into who he is now, you know, being talked about as, you know, perhaps a top five player in the NBA, a guy that is a dark horse to win, like MVP. So you think, you know, that's the... That's the hope that GMs have with those picks. You know, you get excited about those picks and, you know, you're thinking right now, like you're saying, maybe they're holding on to them too tightly because they think they're going to get Paul George, but actually they're going to get Nicholas Skidichvili. you know?
1: <laughs> they're going to get Michael Oluwakandi is what they're going to get. And Mike, there's more Michael Candies out there than there are Tim Duncan's. And that is the, my problem with the draft picks. It's not the draft itself because the draft is necessary. But I mean, you know, I always get amazed when people like start talking about the potential and all this stuff, and that the NBA is such an elite club that the finding the people who are like that is so rare. You can't always be betting on the card to come. You have to like deal in the now eventually. You know, the Nuggets are going to have to deal with their future, and I hope they get a good draft pick this year with the Knicks not doing well and the Nuggets, you know, not doing well either. Maybe that increases their chances. But don't sell me a bill of goods about how, you know, the Nuggets need to put all their cards in the draft because the Oklahoma City Thunder lucked out with Kevin Durant. I don't
0: want to hear that crap. Yeah. So what do you think uh, if the trade deadline comes and goes and Andre Miller... Is still a member of the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> Doing a Sandy Clough pregnant pause, Pre- pregnant pause, I, I, staring I, into the basketball I, I, heavens. Because
1: I'm thinking, well, okay, all right, you answer. What do you think?
0: Well, I got I got asked a question on Twitter. Uh, uh, fine. let me let me just pull up his name here. We'll get him we'll get him right. Uh, Justin Taylor asked me. He said he heard Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated said that. Uh, GMs around the league are hearing that the Nuggets may waive Andre Miller after the trade deadline can't so, just cut him. so that could be why the Nuggets aren't making a move and you know, I need to look into that because I don't know what the ramifications are there I think that the Nuggets would still be on the hook for the roster spot plus the salary I, I, I don't quite know they
1: don't they, if they waive him they still they, they, if they waive him st- they, they can't do a buyout of his contract next year they're going to still owe him the full amount they have to negotiate a buyout or have that buyout available to them. They can't waive him the season before. They'd still owe him that amount of money. There's no way they could do that. And I don't think that and a Stan Kroenke-owned team will never do that.
0: Yeah. I, mean, we'll you look that. It, I want to look into the details on that because it's, it's interesting because you do see players... You know, you hear the, well, if he clears waivers, and I'm like, well, there's got to be certain... I, I don't know. I need to find the details on that, but I, yeah. I know the Nuggets are on the hook. NBA contracts, 100% guaranteed, yeah, so... Yeah, they're guaranteed. And
1: uh, it's like, you can, uh, if you're going to waive someone, you can't do it before his option here. You're not going to do it. They will li- They will be save more money
0: sitting him and paying him than they would waiving him right now. Yeah. And the only, the only thing that I think, if, if Andre Miller is still a Denver Nugget after the deadline... I get uh, uh, very confused about what they might be thinking, but I, I, you know, if nobody wants Andre Miller, and you know, and I looked, at, I wrote that article about Nuggets trade predictions, and I'm looking at, you know, playoff teams that legitimately might have a chance. I looked at all all 16 teams slated for the playoffs right now, even a couple outside the picture. Who needs a point guard? Not a lot of teams really do, nope. and not a lot of teams that really are going to be, you know, pushing for a playoff spot need one besides the one that i I really think that the nuggets might be able to deal with is the washington wizards obviously conley has some familiarity there yeah they pretty much have a mandate to make the postseason they have a couple expiring contracts and chris singleton and jan vasili that would allow the nuggets to free up you know some roster spots if they included you know even if they included jordan hamilton who obviously the nuggets didn't pick up his option so you know his future is a big question mark in denver um you know, you, you make a trade like that. You clear a tiny bit of salary space. You make some roster spots available so that you can, you know, sign a point guard that's in the D League or something just to come in. It's gonna, it's gonna be more reminders of the early '90s Nuggets where, or the early 2000s Nuggets where you have maybe Junior Harrington comes in, plays point guard for you for 15 uh. games or something. You know, <laughs> or uh, you know, Josh Kanye who played with uh, probably got his name wrong there. Played for Dallas a little bit last year. He played on Dallas' yeah. in summer league. He's out there. The Chinese season's wrapping up. Maybe you could sign him if you can create a roster spot, you know, and you just kind of throw your hands up and say, this is, what, this is what we're doing this season. It's, you know, it's uh, it's the early 2000s all over again. Well,
1: I, I, think, <laughs> I think, yeah, this is, this is where the Nuggets are at right now,
0: I and mean, they really have no other choice. But can Conley pull off the Kiki Vandaway-Dallas Mavericks deal where – you know, Kiki unloaded, I mean, he unloaded a godly amount of salary in Avery Johnson, Tariq Abdul-Wahad, Rafe LaFrance, and Nick Van Exel. I remember
1: Tariq, Tariq Abdul-Wahad
0: was the untradeable contract. As
1: and I remember that, and more than Nick Van Exel. Nick Van Exel, forget all his issues mentally, you know, he was still a productive player. Well, he was injured, I believe, at the time. But the... Tariq Abdullah hot, was the bad contract that was unmovable. And he had and injury he, problems himself. Yeah, he had injury problems, and he managed to move that, which was unbelievable, yeah. you know, uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. So maybe you need to
0: call Mark Cuban. <laughs> and, and, the, <laughs> and, you know, the Nuggets, don't they're not saddled with horrific contracts. They are saddled with, you know, middling contracts. And, you know, it, it just looking across the NBA landscape, there's not a lot of teams that need to maybe drastically change their rosters there's not a lot of them so i mean denver's limited with some trade partners i think you know i mean the easter conference is obviously bad so you'd think teams are willing to wheel and deal but you know a lot of teams are really holding on to salary cap space right now and really holding on to you know draft hopes so it's it's tough to you know be a seller in a market where everybody's you know maybe looking to sell too. if Tim Connolly unloads JaVale McGee.
1: He will be a hero in Denver.
0: <laughs> All will be forgotten. And he from will. The he fans will be forget Andre
1: Miller. Okay, that's 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 you know chicken. You know what? Um, unloading JaVale McGee would be a miracle. <laughs> it would be an absolute miracle, and they would be singing his praises throughout. I mean, it would, it would be like Homer. They would have a Epic poem composed in his honor if he was managed to do that. I did so Tim if you're listening.
0: <laughs> I did see some uh, some Instagram video of JaVale and Cabo. Uh, looked to be moving around pretty well. He was moving around all right, so I don't I don't know uh what that means for a basketball future, but uh no walking boot, you know, nothing like that. I mean he's he's moving around. I don't know how fair it is to, to criticize a guy that's you know moving around restaurant tables and whatever, but I mean he, he looks okay.
1: like saw him leaving <laughs> last night. He was
0: Walking all right. Do you so, have a walking yeah. boot on or anything? No. Nope. Oh. Typically, a, that's a good thing a to nice, wear when you uh, have a suit, though. <laughs> you know, walking boots are good when you have stress fractures. It takes a lot of pressure off that lower leg, but you know, no worries. No worries. You <laughs> know. Uh, not like we yeah. need you to. You know, not like the Nuggets want you to develop into a you know starting center or anything. No, nope. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. Just take your time. So the uh, I remember the other day there was a, a local reporter had, had said that he thought the Nuggets could make a, a bunch of moves at the deadline. Do you see the Nuggets being able to pull off any type of blockbuster in the next day?
1: Uh, The chances are slim. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, unless he was able to unload JaVale McGee. Because that's the one. Let's forget everything else. McGee is the one contract that the Nuggets desperately need to unload if they're going to go a certain direction. And... If he's able to unload that it'll be a blockbuster trade outside of that. I just really don't see anything
0: yeah I mean you have McGill McGee McGill McGill call him McGill <laughs> uh, you know making eleven point two next year he's going to make twelve million the year after on an expiring contract um, we kicked around some funny trades you know we we talked once again about I think we brought this up even a couple of years ago about bringing in Amari Stademeyer you know you saddle yourself with a big fat contract for next season, but you get out of it after that
1: I would not. Necessarily mind that,
0: but and then the Nuggets are only allowed to trade with the Knicks for a, a term of the next ten years. Like it's only Nuggets <laughs> Knicks trades. <laughs> a, a contract. Nuggets like, hey, we ran into a little bit of a problem again. Uh, <laughs> need you to take this contract. Well, absolutely. The one's yeah. like, well, yeah, we got you, man.
1: We got yeah. We'll just we'll trade you whatever scrub we've got or injured player, and the Nuggets will trade them their injured players. You know, but, you know, if they're able to unload JaVale McGee, that'll be a blockbuster. Outside of that, I mean, what do you see? Yeah,
0: I don't think so. I think we might see Andre Miller moved, maybe. Before using I think that that's going to be like a <laughs> it's, it's a pretty uh, remote possibility. had a little breaking news there. So I was going
1: to say a little, little bit of uh, advertising. In with the. Uh... I,
0: I, think, I think we might see Andre Miller moved, but I, I don't feel... I think it's 50-50 if he gets moved.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I would not be surprised if the Nuggets did absolutely nothing.
0: I do think if, if, you know, I I saw a Minnesota reporter saying that, you know, this whole deal of Minnesota inquiring about another point guard is going to depend if they can move J.J. Barea, who I guess has been beefing with Kevin Love. So if, if, if they move Barea, maybe they look to add Jameer Nelson. Maybe if they can't get him, they'll look at Andre Miller. But... I wouldn't mind taking JJ Berea here. I mean, he plays all right. Then you have, you know, Smurf Gang plus one.
1: It's like uh, Berea beefing with uh, Love is like a hobbit beefing with a tree ant. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no (laughs) doubt about it. Got got. a little nerdy on you there, a little nerdy. Um, All right, man. So, Nuggets lost last night. They're in uh, Milwaukee Thursday night, and then they got to go to Chicago Friday. They come back home. uh, Little three-game homestand: Sacramento, Portland, and Brooklyn. Predictions: next five games. Pain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Clever
0: Lang reference. I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I they may be able to win one of those games. Maybe Milwaukee tomorrow. I mean, I don't. The way that Chicago plays defense, I don't see them. I don't see them beating
0: Chicago. But you know, on the road in a back-to-back, yeah, tough. It's, Chicago's hung in there, tough man. I've been, you know, once again, uh, Thibodeau's proving that system over players. Well, you know, San Antonio proves that too. System over players. He's proving that if you get
1: your players to buy in, that they could to <laughs> playing so much that they could harm the rest of their career with injuries sure yeah, that's he's a system that's a, that's a system right there that is your man
0: so <laughs> alright man we hit on some trade deadline stuff hit a little bit on the nuggets any final thoughts
1: no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like it. I hope I hope the nuggets do something I am not expecting them to so
0: yeah well have you been watching have you watched any Olympic stuff are you out of the Olympics no yeah
1: I watched the ice skating because of Johnny Weir oh Johnny
0: Weir yeah, yeah. you guy yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, that's the only sport I watch though. I don't, I don't watch anything else, so I'll, I'll DVR when Johnny's on.
0: Yeah, uh, I've caught some of the skiing, which has been kind of fun, you know. Um, hoping that people don't have like a brutal fall, but other than that, I've I've missed almost everything. I saw some some bobsled thing, but it was like you laid down face first on this little piece of plastic or something and went <laughs> barreling down an icy tube.
1: I mean, I, just, I, I can't see that as that's frightening. From, I can't see that as conducive to your, to good health. I'd be terrified. I I, I personally wouldn't make that choice, but others value their lives differently than I do. So. Yeah. yeah. Very strange.
0: <laughs> so Crazy stuff. All right, man. Well, that's our Olympic coverage. That that's is. our Nuggets coverage. That's our Nuggets
1: We're coverage. We're going to go ahead
0: and roll out here. We're at Jake's Food and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. They redid the place a little bit. Yeah, they did. They got some more seats in here. They got a new menu. They added a bunch of new food items. So yeah. come down to Jake's. We'll probably have a stiffs night out again at some point here. So They also added a bunch of military people, it looks like. They did, yes. This is now uh, Jake's military <laughs> food and spirits. So. <laughs> Works out pretty well. But All right, man, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back next week. We'll probably have uh, Ross Martin, and maybe we'll throw a couple of special guests in next week. We'll see what happens. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there he is, Jeff Moore. And I, was sorry, I was looking at trade stuff on here. I was yeah, well, Jeff's yeah. engulfed
0: in the uh, the trade rumors. Ross Martin, we hope you're doing well out there, man. We'll you know have push fun. those papers. Yeah, running.
1: yeah, stacking those papers and organizing them, yeah. and then uh, we'll, you'll tell us all about it next week.
0: Yeah, stack that money, Ross. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.